Welcome back to the Eclipse Nation podcast. I'm your host, Sabrina Merchant. The Clippers are down 2-0 to the Dallas Mavericks, heading to Dallas for game three and four. And to talk about this wholly unexpected situation that the Clippers find themselves in is Blake Harris, also from Eclipse Nation. Blake, how are you doing? Well, as I just said, I'm doing a lot better than I was doing last night. I guess the the only positive thing to take away out of this is it is a seven game series. It's not like in you know baseball where the first series is the best of five. Then my stress level would be a lot higher than it is now. So uh, doing okay, hanging in there. Again, it's a long series, but uh, yeah, I, d- I didn't think we'd be in this kind of a situation for a first round matchup, especially considering you know usually the team that has home court uh, rarely seems to go down two zero in a, one of these opening series. So definitely a little little shock to say the least. Yeah, this is uh, something of an unprecedented situation. You know, when the home team loses the first two games, I'm not going to say unprecedented, but it's you know in not common uh right and especially considering that 94 percent of teams that win the first two games in a series end up winning the series and i imagine oh, that the six percent will come like, back i don't like or, hearing that stat sabrina i don't like hearing that <laughs> yeah it's uh it's a lot harder to like build these momentum runs in basketball than it is in baseball when right. you know the bats wake up and things just start cooking but you know the, the clippers have been on the wrong side of these comebacks before and there's no reason why they can't be on the good side this time around but right. you know I keep saying unexpected and like I was one of the people that was a little confused as to why the Clippers wanted to play the Mavericks instead of the Blazers and I understand that it wasn't really about the first round matchup it was about avoiding you know or what I understand to be is avoiding the Lakers until the conference finals right and you know ensuring that part of the bracket And as, you know, people much smarter than me on Twitter pointed out, like the Clippers really didn't have a choice as to whether they played the Blazers or the Mavericks, because let's say the Lakers had lost the last game of the season, then they would have played the Blazers, you know? So it's not like it was entirely within their control who this first round opponent was going to be. Um, So I think it's probably unfair, you know, for people like me to say that they chose the Mavericks because they didn't, even though by losing to the Rockets and the Thunder, they made it significantly more likely that they would play the Mavericks instead of the Blazers. But I also, you know, thought that, hey, this is a Mavericks team that I don't think was as good as last year. Uh, The people that I've talked to in Dallas said they didn't think that this Mavericks team was as good as they were last year, even, you know, with Kristaps Porzingis, just because their support play has not been as good as it was a year ago. And Kristaps is not the defender he was a year ago before that injury that he suffered against the Clippers in the playoffs. And I think the Clippers are better than they were last year. I think they're better coached. Mm -hmm. I think their team makes more sense. Um, so even though this was a fairly close series last year, you know, it went six games. The last two games were not competitive, but, you know, the Mavericks were basically running seven men out at that point. Yeah. Uh, I thought, hey, you know, Clippers are better and Mavericks are worse. What was a six game series, which could have been even shorter, you know, have does if Luca doesn't make that shot in game four. Yeah. That's why I picked Clippers in five. A lot of people um, who support the Dallas Mavericks pointed out the error of my ways over the last few days. Uh, I'm definitely taking it in the chin there and that's fine. Right. Uh, I was wrong. I was definitely wrong. I, I had uh, Clippers in five too. So don't worry. Yeah. You're, you're not on your own on that one. Yeah. It's just the way that I was wrong is so surprising to me. And rather yeah. than just like, you know, talk for the next 30 minutes on my own, which I definitely could do. Cause I have a lot of thoughts about what's going on here. Right. Like what has surprised you most about these first two games? Yeah, I mean, I, I think it, I was going back and forth with you about how, like, I was still, I, I don't understand. Again, they might not admit that they were tanking to avoid the Lakers, where I was under the, 
I thought, I know I think we were going back and forth where I would have rather played the Suns in the second round as opposed to the Jazz. I still think the Suns end up beating the Lakers in the first round. So I would have much rather had that serious matchup. But again, everyone's just assuming, saying they did it to avoid the Lakers, which again, kind of looks like it happened. Um, of course, now it's kind of really easy to say, oh, we could have had Portland. They should have had Portland. Where, of course, I mean, Portland is putting up a pretty good fight. So who knows how exactly it would have gone down. But yeah, I'm... I'm just in shock because we knew that Luca, we knew that he'd get his, I don't have his averages in front of me, but I feel like there's something like 35, 10 and seven. It's basically like when, you know, the Monstars are playing the tune squad and like, you know, it's like (laughs) kind of a lot of points, isn't it? Like that's what Luca's doing right now. Right. So we knew that was going to happen. Like if Luca's dropping 40 a game, that's something we can live with. Um, What I can't live with is Tim Hardaway being like 70% from deep drop it you know 20 i, I think it was 20 last year 20 before and the other one was as much I, I these two games i just can't even remember now because it's just so horrifying to me but he's averaging the, 24 and a half it's it's and the, the crazy thing is because as you mentioned um you know a lot of people thought that myself included until i kind of you know kind of watched more highlights did more reading i was thinking that i think this dallas team's better than last year but you know thinking about the role players they lost that were so good last year against the clippers uh, and now we just have, you know, pretty much, you know, Tim Hardaway's back, but a whole new sort of guys that are just all of a sudden dropping 15 to 20 Brunson. I think the other day was his first playoff game of his career. And I think he scored like 17, 18 points, something like that. And it just seems like the Clippers role players just aren't adding anything. Marcus Morris has been essentially non-existent. And that, that's the crazy part is it's like Kawhi and PG have both been really good which it's like everyone's kind of using Paul George and Kawhi as the scapegoats, especially last night when people are like, oh, Kawhi, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, well, did he not just score like 40 points? Like, I don't know what else he wanted him to do. It's just the role players have not, you know, stepped up. Batum's been fine. I've, you know, really liked what I've seen from Batum. Uh, We've gotten glimpses of playoff Rondo here and there, and I've really liked what I've seen from him. But, you know, aside from that, it's just they haven't gotten the guy that can give them, you know, a 15-20 that you desperately need. And the Clippers defense is just, I don't know if they just said, you know what, let's just not play defense and just see how it goes. But you can't go allowing the Mavericks, again, I don't know what their average is for the first two games. It's got to be over 120, I'd say. You can't have that in a playoff series when you're supposed to slow things down. You're not supposed to be allowing 120 and back-to-back. Now, granted, you know, I, it's not their fault the Mavericks are shooting 65% from three. I mean, even if you're shooting all those on open uncontested shots. I don't think you're going to make 65. Some of the shots they've been making have been remarkable. Hopefully and that, that number should go down, but yeah, the defense is just, it's, it's been frustrating. And again, just the fact that it seems like Dallas, they're getting a role player every night. Uh, that's different than the other and the Clippers, they, they just can't, you know, have someone uh, step up and be kind of like that third go-to option so far. Granted, it's only been two games, but uh, it's what ha- you overreact a lot. Cause they're, the, the crazy part is the Clippers have been outplayed for probably 95% of the minutes. They could be up 2-0 in the series, which is the crazy part. So uh, a few baskets here and there could switch and things go the other way, but they're down 0-2. So we pretty much, just, of course, have to look at all the negatives possible instead of all the positives we can find. As much as I think you're right, and there are definitely positives to look at, I'm going to focus just a little bit longer on the negatives because, you know, they are down 0-2. There's only two games left. Uh, They have seeded home court advantage. Uh, The the defense really is what is so concerning because, like you said, they were scoring basically at will yesterday. You know, like even without Marcus Morris making threes and Paul George making threes and, uh, you know, 
getting anything from their centers, which, oh, oof, bad, bad Zubach game yesterday. Really, the, yeah. the hands issue that was a problem when he first got to the Clippers in 20, 2019 really resurfaced yesterday. And I just I yeah. felt so bad for him. But even without, you know, that tertiary option that you would hope for, which like we all expected Marcus Morris to be, they're still scoring really, really well. And they're not losing this series because of their inability to score. Like I know they only put up 103 points in that first game. It was a very slow paced game. Like they were getting the shots they wanted to. Yeah. I don't think offense is what is concerning the team. It's the defense. And that's, what's so Mm. confusing to me because yes, you know, the Mavericks ran up a 50 point lead against the Clippers back in December. Kawhi wasn't playing that game. Marcus Morris wasn't playing that game. I don't take a whole lot from it because it is such an anomalous result. Like it's never going to happen again. Right. Yeah. Two games they played in Dallas back in March when the rotations, I think were much closer to what they have now, obviously like a little bit different. Cause you know, you got Lou Williams instead of Rondo, yeah. um, no Patrick Beverly, but the Clippers slowed the Mavericks. Like they played really good defense in those two games. And it's, it sort of confirmed my belief that, you know, had started at the end of the series last year that they know how to stop this team. Like Luca is going to get his, yeah. but they can do enough to make sure that it's just Luca and not the other two. And like, I I've been seeing this in that Denver Portland series that you referenced where Portland has realized that they can't do anything about Nikola Jokic one-on-one. Like it's just not going to happen. So they're saying, okay, we're going to let one guy guard him and he's just not going to be able to get anybody else going. And the problem that the Clippers have is that they're trying to stop everything. And I've, you know, I've got a friend that's a coach that says, if you try to stop everything, you end up allowing everything. Like you got to pick your right. poisons here and they're letting Luca be a scorer and they're letting him be the facilitator and everybody else is getting going. And they feel so freaking confident. Like you look at this Dallas team yeah. and they're acting like this is a two seven series and they're the two, like, this is not the situation we expected to be in. So I think what I've landed on that I was most wrong about this Dallas team is that the way that they're defending Luca, like the, it's the switches, you know, letting Zubach guard him on an island. They're treating him like he's not a good three-point shooter. And for the first two years of his career, he was not a good three-point shooter. You know, he shot, I'm looking on NBA.com, he shot um, 32% on threes, 2018-19, and then 31.6 last year. And so that coverage makes a lot of sense when, you know, you get him out on an island on the perimeter and Zubach can prevent him from getting into the lane and he's forced, Luca's forced to take these tough jumpers. Right now, you know, this season he upped his three point percentage to 35. It was better than that against the Clippers in the three games that they played. Like it was in the forties. Yeah. So that defense just doesn't work anymore because he's too good of a jump shooter uh, to just force him to take jump shots. Like some of these shots are ridiculous. Like, let's be clear, you know, the, the one legged (laughs) two for one three pointer that he takes at the end of the third quarter that like Dirk Nowitzki's chopping at the bit at like, some of yeah. these shots are ridiculous, but Luca, we have to accept, is a ridiculous player. Yeah. And I know that when the Clippers built this team, they expected that Kawhi Leonard was going to be the best player on the court in every playoff series. And I think we're at the point where that's not going to be the case in this series. So yeah, maybe we just have to let Luca be Luca, but then only put one guy on him and say, okay, like let him score 50, but nobody else is going to get off. Like we're not going to let this 25 point tim hardaway jr game we're not going to let dorian finney smith and jalen brunson and everybody else get off like i don't know that's sort of where i land like i just didn't think luca was this good of a shooter and he has proved me wrong there and maybe that's where the clippers are going wrong yeah i mean again it's it's just the thing where 
Dallas, they are, you know, shooting a higher percentage than they should. I mean, just everyone's hitting every shot. But no, I agree. Like if I don't know what the mindset coming into the, the series was, but if Luca averaged 40 a game, I would be okay with that. I mean, this is a guy where no matter what you do, like there isn't anything you can do really to stop him because he can score like literally. Well, I mean, unless he's doing like a Blake Griffin kind of slam dunk, maybe that's the one thing he can't do. But I mean, he can score in so many ways and it's just w- watching. I mean, granted, I, I can't talk as I, if I was out there guarding, it'd be a different story, but watching, watching them try to guard him. I mean, it's like, they just have no answer for him. He's just so, so much better. And like, like you said, yeah, I'd, I'd rather have him score 45 and you hold Hardaway to 15, hold Porzingis to 15, hold those other guys to maybe like 10 or something. And that's okay. If Luca erupts for 45, 50, and you just barely lose, like, I, I guess, but having so many different role players, again, I have to go up and see, but they probably have to have like five or six different guys that have scored at least 15 in the first two games. It feels it's just been someone different every night. And that that's just something that's like, it's unacceptable. You, you can't have those guys, I mean, no disrespect to like, you know, Tim Hardaway, but he should not be the reason you're losing. If he's the reason you're losing, you know, a playoff game at home, and uh, meanwhile, Luca's still getting his 35, nine and eight, then uh, yeah, you, you got a problem on your hands with that. Yeah. It's, it's the triple doubles that are really worrying me. Like let Luca get his points, you know, but just don't let him affect the game in every other aspect. Right. Right. Uh, he just, he's too good of a passer for the coverages that the Clippers are playing at him. And I don't think the Clippers are doing a good enough job executing the coverages they want to play. Like it seems like they're making mistakes because you see like there are certain shots, like, uh, I'm thinking of the Kristaps Porzingis three that like, you know, bounced above the oh. backboard and came back in. Like Clippers <laughs> played that properly, right? Like you could tell right. from the reactions, it wasn't people were sniping at each other. It was just, oh crap, that shot went in, you know? Yeah. But there are definitely plays where people are pointing at each other. Like, why weren't you supposed to be here? And, you know, Rajon Rondo and Serge Ibaka are getting like into a shouting match on the bench yeah. after one blown coverage and Ibaka doesn't even come back into the game after that. Like there are definitely mistakes that are being made so maybe the Clippers just need to simplify it. Maybe they have to stop being so cute and like, you know, all of these switches and pre-switches and uh, like whatever they're doing is not working. So maybe we just have to break it down and like do what the Clippers were doing during the regular season, you know, stay home on the shooters and let Luca do what Luca's going to do because I'm kind of at the point, like, which is ridiculous considering the Clippers employ Kawhi Leonard, two-time defensive player of the year, yeah. like one of the greatest defensive players of this generation like I'm at the point where we're just not stopping Luca, you know, like yeah. I watched him back down Kawhi Leonard in the post spin fade away and like laughing his way down the court. If that's going to happen, like we're There's, done. Like we're not stopping. Look, him. I was going to say, cause I know exactly what player you're talking about. I even, I think I let out a groan when I saw that I was like, mm-hmm. what, this is literally Dirk 2.0, but mm-hmm. like the fact that it was against Kawhi. And again, he just did it with just such ease. I'm like, you can't stop him. There, there's nothing you can, I just, I looked it up because I wanted to see. So through the first two games, he has 18 assists. Where again, it's like, I, I'm fine with him scoring 30 to 40, but him getting 18 assists in two games. I mean, we, we know that he has his ability because I mean, for his career, he's averaging seven, eight a game. But mm-hmm. again, he's, he's impacting the game in so many more ways than just his scoring. He's getting everyone involved. And again, it's the whole thing where all of a sudden he kicks it out. And oh, there's, you know, Tim Hardaway Jr. That's just wide open. He's hanging out, you know, Christopher Zingas, he's just hanging out and it's just, it, it really is unbelievable. But again, going, just going back to that about the whole like, thing with Serge, I think Serge only played the, what, like six minutes last night. 
Hmm. And I think it was after that whole debacle with him and Rondo. Uh, I mean, it's the crazy thing is, again, just so much is going wrong for the Clippers. Defensively, they look lost. They are confused, it seems. I saw some clip on Twitter today. Um, I think it was something like in the second quarter with like a Paul George switch that like resulted like in an easy slam dunk. And I was just like watching that and thinking like, how, how do you just allow this to happen? And again, it's just something, I mean, again, two games, if the Clippers are up 2-0, I'm sure we, we'd be nitpicking it, but not to the amount that we are now, Absolutely. but it's, it's just so concerning. It's just, and like I said, it's frustrating that they're playing awful on defense. I mean, the, the Clippers scored 121 points last night. You would take that 1 million out of 1 million times in a playoff game thinking, you should win that game, but the fact that they lost obviously is not ideal. So, uh, just again, a lot going against them, and it's just again, like I said, it's just frustrating because you you know that, especially like you said last year, the Clippers should have beaten this team in five last year had it not been for that crazy Luca shot. And again, this is a not like a significantly worse Dallas team, but again, like you can make the case, last year's Dallas team was better, and the Clippers are at home, not not as much of a home court advantage as they would have had in years past which I think is going to be an awful turnaround considering that Dallas is going to have like 20,000 fans for the next two games. But uh, it's just, yeah, it's just, again, you can't, you can't do this. Like yeah. a split, one, one, it's fine. Like one, one's fine, but you can't go down. Oh, two again, especially after you avoided tanked to like, you wanted this matchup. Like, I know there were other things that probably prevented it, but the Clippers could have controlled their own destiny. They could have had the three seed had Portland, and that just makes this whole thing worse because, I mean, one, Lakers fans are just having a field day with this, but it just sure. makes, the, makes the Clippers just look that much worse. And it's kind of, it was kind of like a disrespectful thing to Dallas. Like, oh, yeah, we kind of, we want to, like, we're fine playing you. We got no problem with that. And like you said, it's like kind of like a 2 7 series where Dallas, they look like they're the two. They, because again, I, I, I don't know, I have the percentages in front of me, but I, having said that Dallas has led for 95% of the first two games, that seems like an accurate, accurate number because the Clippers like they'll get a two-point lead that'll be a nice 30 45 seconds they enjoy it and then it's just gone so yeah yeah I mean one of the stats that I didn't know coming into the series which uh has reared its ugly head is that Dallas was 27 and 0 this season when leading after the first quarter which is just a remarkable thing to consider because yeah like how do things not change in the final 36 minutes of the game right Like, like I know last year the Lakers had this stat that they didn't lose when they were winning after the third quarter but like that's a lot later in the game, you know? Right. Like that, uh, I, I was like, that's, that's unbelievable. Cause are you telling me like not one game, they were up by one point at the end of the first quarter. Exactly. And, it, uh, and that, we had the situation amazing. last night where Dallas was up two at the end of the first quarter. And I'm thinking, okay, well, here's the stat, but like it's two points. Can the Clippers really not make up two points of ground, you know, over the next 36 minutes. And right. ultimately they didn't, but it's, it's just, like you said, it's a really strange and frustrating situation because the Clippers were the eighth best defense in the league, you know, according to cleaning the glass, like they, you know, a little bit worse against top 10 offenses, but like not this bad, you know, they, they literally seem hopeless to do anything against Dallas. And um, I don't want to get like into, you know, the takes or whatever, but like you and I are frustrated, right? Like this is, this yes. is a frustrating situation. Um, the Clippers should be winning and they're not winning. And like there's a lot of pressure on this team. Like we talked all season about how the regular season, you know, really the Clippers couldn't prove anything during the regular season because yeah. of what happened in the bubble, their only chance to make any, you know, change to this perception about the team was going to come in the playoffs. 
and they've kind of fallen flat on their face. And I'm like, it's, it is so maddening to watch. And then I listen to the post-game press conferences. Yes. And my guy, Ty Lu is just cool as a cucumber. <laughs> like, and Paul George is saying that there is no concern. Right. And like, how did you react when you saw those things? Like, well, kind of, just kind of going to your first one about like, I, I've been saying this like kind of like all season to my girlfriend and my friends were like, this is kind of like the first like regular season. And like, I can't, I can't even remember where I've kind of just been like, I really don't care what they do. I'm like if they get the first seed, great. If they get the seventh seed, whatever, like it's not going to matter until what happens in the playoffs. So that's why I, like, I, I just told him like, it, it doesn't matter. Like I don't care where they finish because yeah, it's all going to come down to can Ty Lu do what doc couldn't. And obviously now that's looking like maybe it wasn't doc necessarily, which kind of is backfiring now and everything. But uh, yeah, those post game comments, I said this, you know, on our Slack channel earlier, I said this a couple weeks ago when there was like a thing with Trevor Bauer and the Dodgers, when they were going through a skit and Trevor Bauer in his post game said like, I'm pissed. I, I came here to win. We're not winning. I'm upset. I'm frustrated. And it just seems like, again, we were talking about this. There's just this, I don't know, narrative. If it's kind of like an unwritten rule where you kind of just can't really voice how you're feeling. Cause there's no way that they're chilling there in the locker room going, oh, we're fine, guys. We got this. Like, like they were probably cussing. They were probably throwing things. Like, come to your post-game press conference and tell us that. Be like, we're pissed. We should not be down 2-0. We're the better team. Like, we had home court advantage and we blew it. Like, this cannot happen. Like, game three, we're turning this around. We're going to be working on a bunch of different things. But instead, and like you said, I think – I mean, I didn't watch many Tyloo post-game conferences this year. I just would see, you know, like on Twitter, reading articles. So I don't know kind of like how he was following the games, but I think you said he'd be like more upset following regular season games than he is now. And you're the head coach and you're just thinking, oh, we're, 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 we're fine. No, no worries here. Like I, I, I've never understood that from post-game interviews. Just again, I, I don't know if that's just kind of the thing. Like you can't, you know, vocally, you know, voice your frustration. I know Pat Bev does it kind of often, but I I, I just don't know. And I, th- I think like Reggie Jackson ended his with like, I, I forget the quote. It was kind of like, be happy or we're going to be fine. He was or... wearing a t-shirt that had just like a smiley face emoji on it. And then yeah. after his last question, he just pulled up his shirt and was like, remember, no worries. Oh yeah. I'm like, no worries. Like, You're down maybe in a old. general life sentence. <laughs> So yeah, no, when I, when I when I saw that, I was like, uh, "What? Like, no, that I don't know. Maybe he tore them one in the locker room. I hope so, and yeah. he just didn't want to do it publicly. But if if they really are having the mindset like we're fine, um, like you know, you're you're fine if you're down one zero. Maybe you're fine, but two zero when what three of the next four games or however were yeah three of the next four or whatever in dallas uh yeah no and you need he need to win four three against of the next fives. four in dallas yeah, yeah yeah so uh you're not fine things aren't okay uh maybe if you can even the series then you could say okay now it's a best of three we have two or three at home then you can say there's no concern but and I, you know, I jokingly said this earlier as well. If they go down 3-0, they're going to say, oh, we've had four game winning streaks this year. This is no problem. Like the guys aren't worried, like copy paste it. Cause that's what, that's, that's what they're going to say. They're going to say, we're not panicking. So I, I, I've never understood. It's not just with basketball. It's with every other sport where they just kind of downplay the situation and the severity of it, which I don't get. I don't get. 
Yeah, I mean, you you brought this up. Like after game one, there was very much a similar vibe. You know, Paul George, Kawhi. Uh, I think they brought out. What was it? Nick was it Nick Batum after game one? I can't remember. But it might have been. I can't remember. There was there was a very solid positive vibe after game one where they weren't going to panic. Like, you know, the Mavs got the first punch and I thought that was very acceptable. Like, you know, that, especially cause it was I, I mean, literally they took the lead in the final minutes and they could have been down one too. So yeah, I mean, it was, you know, anyone exactly like they were up hundred to 98, right. Like with like three minutes left or something, you know, it wasn't out of the ordinary, like yeah. it wasn't that they weren't in the game, you know? And I, I interpreted it as, you know, they, they hit first, we're going to make some adjustments, come back, but we feel confident in our ability to regain control of the series. Like even surrounding home court advantage, I'm totally okay with that attitude after losing game one. Yeah. But nothing changed in game two. If anything, the Clippers looked worse, which is shocking to say about a team that collectively shot 50, 40, 90 from the field and literally had everything they wanted going on the offensive end. But I just wanted something. I wanted a little bit of like, yeah, this sucks. Like you said, you know what Trevor Bauer said with the Dodgers earlier this month. And we kind of got that from Kawhi, right? Like in the, well, in um, in the first half. In the I actually half. like in, in terms of his argument, oh. like his, his oh, yeah. talking afterwards too, yeah. because, uh, you know, someone had asked him about like, you know, um, what Terrence Mann brought in his shift at the end. And he's like, you know, was, yeah, Terrence like got to the room, whatever, but like, that's not what we need. Like we need to get stops. That's what needs to happen. And it's like, yeah, like that's, that's what I want to hear. I want to hear this fire. I want to hear that this means something. I don't want to hear that. Like this isn't a championship or bust year or that we're not in an adverse situation or anything like that. Like this is this is it, right? Like they fired Doc Rivers. You know, they yeah. rehauled the roster. They got rid of Lou Williams. They, not that I'm saying that Lou Williams would like be the difference against Dallas Mavericks, but like they made, they completely sculpted this team around what Kawhi Leonard wanted, right? Like his imprints are all over everything on this roster, right? Yeah. It's, they brought in his buddy from Toronto, Serge Baca, right? Like they, they got his handpicked coach in Ty Lu. They gave up the farm to get Paul George. They brought in Rondo because they said he needed more playmakers. You know, they brought in Nick Batum, more high IQ ball players. Like everything that Kawhi Leonard has asked for has happened. Yeah. And it's not going to matter if they can't get out of this round, which is like, there should be some urgency. I want to feel some urgency. And yet the Clippers, you know, come out in game two when they're down 12 4 before you can even blink again. Like, I just. I'm frustrated by how this team is approaching the series. I'm frustrated by how they're publicly approaching the series. And like, I'm at the point where I'm thinking like, am I going to get to go to another game at Stable Center? Right. Like I've, again, this is, this is just getting way too uh, over, uh, way too much of an overreaction. But I saw some things last night saying like, was that Kawhi Leonard's last home game as a Clipper? (laughs) And I was like, 99% maybe not, but it's like, if they get swept, I mean, there, there's so much going on, but like you said, I mean, I was expecting, um, cause I, I missed like the first 15, 20 minutes of the game last night and I turned it on. They're already down like six points or something like that. I thought it was going to be like the game last year. Um, I did. Well now, you know, I think when they beat Dallas by like 30 or 40, whatever that was not right. that much, but I was like, I was expecting them to come out, be up by 10, 15 at the half and just keep it at that the entire game. And they, they just didn't. And again, it's the worst part is it's the fact that the offense has been like, well, yesterday more so than the first game. Saying the first game they were shooting like thirty percent from three, or was something right. worse than that. But I mean, yesterday's game again. If you score one hundred and twenty-one points, that's a good game. Like you'll take forty from Kawhi. I think Paul George had twenty-six, twenty-seven, something like that. Mm-hmm. You will take that every time. 
it's just the fact, like you said, we've been saying this the entire episode. It's just the defense and just what they're doing out there. It's just like you yell. Like I, there were so many times last night watching the game where I was just kind of watching it just happen. And I'm like, I, I just don't understand. I, I don't know why. And it's just, again, I, I've said this, you know, I've been a fan my entire life, but I really didn't start getting, you know, as passionate until they actually started winning games about 16 years into my life. But like, <laughs> I've never been this frustrated. Like I've been, you know, shocked with like, you know, the whole Houston three, one debacle. I was just, that was kind of just shock. Everything went wrong uh, last year with Denver. Again, kind of just everything went wrong where, you know, is like Denver was just playing. I, I don't know. Just something about this series. And they've just, frustrated me so much they've upset me so much and i think it's just because you know they, like you said they built this entire team around Kawhi. they got rid of doc they brought in Ty Lu. like this was supposed to be the team of the year that gets over that hump that second round hump that goes to the th- you know conference finals and they very well could i mean being down 2-0 is not well i mean you did say six percent chance of it have so it's a it's a near uh and I'm sure they're great odds. Not and I'm sure odds. maybe the ones that came back, because I know years ago, the Clippers were up 2-0 against the Grizzlies and they blew that. Well, the Grizzlies were the away team. So they at least had home court coming their way. Whereas mm-hmm. it, the revol- so I'm, I'm actually be interested to know what the percentage is of teams with home court that went down uh, 0-2. So it's just frustrating. Like it is, it is so frustrating. And, you know, I don't want to get to that point yet because again, there's still a lot of games to go. But if again they get swept, they lose in five. It's like what do you what do you do moving forward? Because you've had two years now with some teams that I think a lot of people can say could win an NBA championship. It's not like those you know kind of Lob City teams where they were kind of like they were a good team, but they were probably a second round team at best. Like this team could win an NBA championship, and if you have two cracks at it and you can't even get to the Western Conference Finals, let alone even just get to the second round and back to back years, like. Like, what do you do? Like, how how can you improve? What do you hope for? Because the the West, I mean, I know the Lakers took a step back this year, but a lot of teams took that next step, and the West is only going to get better. So, again, not not time to wave the white flag yet, but it, it is something like that I've been thinking about. Like, what 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 can you do? Like, how can you make this team better next season? If, uh, you know, you need to, like, wh- what can you, what can you do? So I don't know. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's a really good question. Um, I'm still trying to keep the focus on what to do to get better for game three. See, um, I'm, I'm just already years down. <laughs> I'm thinking, no, I'm thinking 2020 like has signed in Miami. What do we do now? <laughs> Where are my draft picks going? What year is the uh, switch with OKC? Yeah, I, I am down the line. I'm thinking 2030 yeah. already. That's how, that's how far I'm already. Well, that's no, what I happens mean, when you're laying in bed and you're deep in your thoughts and you're thinking what can happen. <laughs> so uh, just if they win game three, then those thoughts will, those thoughts will go away for, for the short term. So just, just to close on that, what is like one thing you're looking for, for the Clippers to win game three? I, I, again, I just the defense now, again, I'm, I'm not upset that Dallas is again, making 65% of their threes because that's just something, no, that's unheard of. I mean, that, mm-hmm. is, that is unheard of. If you were just given consistently open shots, I don't know if they knocked down 65%. So that number should come down. Just again, let Luca get his 35 and 40, but you got to do your best to stop 
everyone else around him. Make sure he doesn't get those 10 assists. If he had 11 assists in one game, seven assists in the other, like you can't let him do that. So uh, just pray that the three balls don't always go down, um, which again, they, they should. Uh, Law of average says they should come down, but it's just, the, you know, the defense, like you said, I think they were eighth best defensively uh, during the regular season. And there were games where it was like, this team looks like a top three defense in the NBA and they've looked like a bottom three defense through the first two games. So I, it seems like a simple answer, like, oh, play better defense. But like if the Clippers just play 25, 50% better defense than they did last night in game two, they should win game three. And that's not asking for a whole lot because again, the offense has been there. They're averaging 116, 115 points through the first two games. So the offense is no problem. Just limit the points. Let Lucas score 50 for all I care. Just make sure that's uh, no one else is scoring above 15. Yeah, I think I land there too. You know, um, I'm thinking back to like when Dallas played Phoenix back in the day when Phoenix had Steve Nash and Dallas right. forced Nash to score 50 points just so the other guys couldn't get going and they ended up winning the game even though Steve Nash, you know, trapped 50 plus and I, I think that's the game plan here I think you just have to stay home on the shooters um, I misspoke earlier they're the ninth best defense not the eighth but it's like literally a 0.1 point difference right. so apologies um, <laughs> but yeah uh, just it's it's really hard I think you know for the team that is the favorite to accept the fact that like hey this guy's better and we're not gonna be able to do anything to stop him but hopefully two games yeah. is enough evidence to come to Jesus there because it's Luca is here. He's not going anywhere. Um, he was outstanding against the Clippers last playoffs and he's just better this year. And I think you just, you just have to make him be the one guy to beat you. And, you know, I, I just don't think that there's enough time to figure out like an entirely new defensive strategy to get everybody else on board because like game, and I, I know it's Friday, like there's a couple days off, but you know, game three is here quick. And I don't think that the Clippers can afford to just be that cute. Like you just make him beat you and right. stay in on the other guys. And please, for God's sakes, do not be down in the first quarter. <laughs> yes. Like don't, don't do it. Cause the numbers are, are true, but yeah, one, one thing overwhelming. <laughs> one thing I, I I've been noticing the first two games. Um, I mean, last year, it seemed like every game, every play, they were just hounding Luca. Like Pat Bev was getting under his skin. Marcus Morris was getting under his skin. Now I'm not saying like get Luca thrown out of the game, but like it just seems like they haven't made the effort to get him in foul trouble. Maybe get like a technical on him. It just seems like what they were doing last year. Now again, it he's still going to be fantastic. But I'm just saying if maybe they can like rattle him or again get a technical on him so that way just the rest of the game he kind of has to cool it just a little or again with the whole foul trouble thing i remember i think it was, i can't remember again if it was game one or two but i think he had like three fouls like pretty early in the third quarter and i was like okay great like let's get a fourth on him get him out and that that just never happened so i i don't know why the clippers have gone gone away from that so that's just something i noticed compared to last year yeah you know something to look forward to in game three on friday uh Again, just not the position we thought the Clippers would be in, but I would yeah. not say all hope is lost because, again, this is a very talented team. There's a 6% chance of hope, Sabrina. They are capable of playing better. Of that's my that's my motto for the next few days. 6% I think that's going to be the hope. title of this podcast is 6%, 6% chance of hope. So thank you all for listening. Uh, this has been me, Sabrina Merchant. That was Blake Harris. You can find all of our work on clipsnation.com covering this series. And, you know, Let's see what happens in game three. All right. Take care. <laughs>